بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء المرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته سورة القصص سورة الأنكبوت and سورة الروم سورة القصص revolves around the story of Musa عليه السلام and contains details which you will not find in another surah such as his growing up in the palace of Pharaoh and what happened to him in Median when he escaped from Egypt to what is modern-day northern Saudi Arabia. There's a strong emphasis on the female characters in this surah who supported the mission of Musa salam, his mother, his sister, the wife of Pharaoh, and the two ladies at the well of Median, one of whom he eventually marries. The mother of Musa salam is truly an inspirational character. She suppresses the strongest maternal instincts and places her trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah does not fulfill Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not fail his trusts. He gives her two orders which she executes perfectly and two prohibitions which, he obs- which she observes perfectly. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes two promises which he fulfills completely and perfectly. In verse 7, And we inspired to the mother of Musa, Suckle him, but when you fear for him, cast him into the river. And do not fear and do not grieve. Indeed, we will return him to you and we will make him one of the messengers. The two orders are to suckle him, number one. Because if he's hungry, he's going to cry and scream and he will alert the soldiers of Pharaoh. And the second order is that when the soldiers of Pharaoh are almost upon him, then cast him into the river Nile. SubhanAllah, have you seen a mother how careful they are when it comes to their babies around water? Even the bathtub will only have maybe an inch of water. But she is asked to throw her newborn baby into the raging river Nile. And the two prohibitions, do not fear and do not grieve. Because if she starts to fear and grieve, she'll betray the news about the baby Musa salam. And the two promises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes which he fulfills perfectly. Indeed, we will return him to you and we'll make him one of the messengers. SubhanAllah, we worship the same Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we fulfill our promises or our obligations to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then surely he will fulfill his promises to us. There's a description of a man in the town who comes running to warn Musa when he accidentally kills one of the Egyptians. And a man came from the farthest end of the city running. This is an expression used often in the Quran. There are people throughout the annals of history who felt such a sense of responsibility, burning sense of responsibility to support the prophets that they would come running from the farthest part of the town. He said, O Musa, indeed the eminent ones, the mala, the courtiers of Pharaoh, are conferring a meeting and they are intending to kill you. So leave this city. Indeed, I am to you one of the sincere advisors. Look at the irony. The soldiers of Pharaoh are slaughtering all of the sons of Bani Israel on alternative years. That doesn't seem to matter in the slightest. But when Musa kills one of the Egyptians by accident, not only the normal courts deal with this now, the mala, the elite, the court of Pharaoh itself has to meet no due process, they just agreed to kill Musa alayhi salam. It seems even then there were some lives which had a lot more value than other lives in the Pharaonic society. When Musa escapes to Madian, he helps two ladies who are trying to water their sheep at a watering hole. He sees that they're not able to get through due to the other shepherd 
And despite being on the brink of starvation and hunger, he steps in to help them. He then makes this dua. فَسَقَالَهُمَا ثُمَّ تَوَلَّا إِلَى الظِّلِّ فَقَالَ رَبِّ إِنِّي لِمَا أَنزَلْتَ إِلَيَّ مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَقِيرٍ So he watered their flock for them. Then he went back to the shade and he said, My Lord, indeed I am for whatever good you send down to me in need. SubhanAllah, the Quran is so profound. And there's so many important hidden implicit messages. He watered their flock for them. He doesn't then stand around for small talk, to talk to them, to embarrass them, to ask for something in return. He completely turns around and he walks back to the shade. What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us here? When you do a favor for someone to help them, don't stick around expecting something in return. Don't stick around to embarrass them. Don't stick around expecting payment. If you're doing it purely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, once you do that for them, that should be the end of it. The reward is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My Lord, indeed, I am for whatever good you should set down to me in need. The most profound of du'as he makes. Ibn Ashur says, this profound dua combines praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gratitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there is an implicit request. It combines praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you're recognizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the source of all good. It combines gratitude because it's using the past tense to recognize that whatever good came to, uh, to Musa alayhi salam in the past, even though he's in such a difficult situation, he's not being ungrateful. He's not saying, why me? He's recognizing in the past tense all the favors which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conferred upon him and that they were all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is an implicit request. By describing himself as a faqir, he's now turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his hands outstretched that he's in need. We've said before that often the du'as of the prophets come in this form where the request is actually implicit and the main focus is praising and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and recognizing your own weakness and humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when you do those two things, Allah knows what you need and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to give you what you need without you even having to mention it. The story continues and describes an interesting interchange between uh, the future father-in-law of Musa alayhi salam, which according to some scholars of tafsir, is the Prophet Shu'aib alayhi salam. فَجَاءَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا تَمْشِي عَلَى اسْتِحْيَاءٍ قَالَتْ إِنَّ أَبِي يَدْعُوكَ لِيَدْزِيَكَ أَجْرَ مَا سَقَيْتَ لَنَا فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ وَقَصَّ عَلَيْهِ الْقَصَصَ قَالَ لَا تَخَفْ then one of the two women came to him walking with shyness. Again, there's no small talk. There's no laughing and giggling. Walking with shyness. She said, indeed, my father invites you that he may reward you for having watered for us. So when he came to him and relate to him the story, he said, fear not, you have escaped from the wrongdoing people. Subhanallah. Musa alayhi salam in verse 21 makes the dua, Rabbi najjini min al Oh, oh my Lord, save me from the wrongdoing people. What does Shu'aib say to him without having heard this dua? You have been saved from the wrongdoing people. Almost the identical words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shu'aib is the response to Musa's dua. We also learn about the etiquettes of marriage. When Shu'aib alayhi salam talks to Musa, he is the one conducting the proposal of marriage. It's not Musa and the lady who are talking, discussing, 
acting in a way which might be inappropriate. La Allah. No. It is the father of the prospective bride who talks to the father, uh, to the prospective groom. That's how marriages are conducted. It's not between the man and the woman. It's between the man and the guardian, the representative of the lady. That's the correct way to conduct the marriage in Islam. And the father is not insensitive to his daughter's needs. When his daughter praises Musa, he straight away understands that there is a possibility of marriage here, that Musa is a suitable person for his daughter. He's very sensitive to his daughter's needs. There's also a description of Qarun. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in the most eloquent way how wealthy Qarun was. Qarun was from Bani Israel and he was someone who profiteered from the enslavement of Bani Israel. But he was so immensely wealthy. And we gave him of treasures whose keys would burden a band of strong men, subhanAllah. Qarun had his treasure locked away in different safe houses and safes. The keys of those safe houses and safes, if they were to be put together, they could not be carried by a single man. They would have to be carried by a band of strong men. Can you imagine the wealth he must have had? The Quran is so eloquent in a few words, impressing on our minds how wealthy he was. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, due to his ingratitude and arrogance, called the earth to open up and swallow up him and all of his wealth. Now, why is this story so important to the Prophet ﷺ? It was revealed, according to some scholars, during the time of Hijrah, the actual Hijrah itself, the migration from Mecca to Medina, or just before the Prophet ﷺ left. This story is a reassurance to the Prophet ﷺ. Just as Allah ﷻ took care of the baby Musa ﷺ when he was a helpless child, then Allah ﷻ will take care of the Prophet ﷺ when he does not have protection and resources around him. Just as Musa ﷺ will now uh, spent eight to ten years in Madian. The Prophet ﷺ will now spend eight to ten years or ten years in Medina. And just as, and this is the critical point, Musa ﷺ now returns to Egypt victorious. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reassuring the Prophet ﷺ that he will return to Mecca victorious. The Prophet ﷺ loved Mecca and he was grieved to leave Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ said as he was leaving Mecca, he turned and looked uh, towards its mountains and said, By Allah, you are the most beloved portion of Allah's earth to me. And verily, you are the most beloved portion of the earth to Allah too. Verily, you are the best spot on the face of the earth and the most beloved to Allah. If your people did not expel me, I would not have departed from you. Allah reassures the Prophet ﷺ through this surah that he will come back victorious just as Musa ﷺ did. Surah Al-Ankabut Surah Al-Ankabut is one of the few surahs in the Qur'an which starts with the disjointed letters but then does not follow up immediately with a praise of the Qur'an. Alif Lam Mim أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمنا وهم لا يفتنون ولقد فتن الذين من قبلهم فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ Alif Lam Mim Do people think that they will be left alone to say we believe and will not be tested? But we certainly tested those before them and Allah will surely make evident those who are truthful and will surely make evident those who are liars. The main theme of this surah 
is being tested and tried by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put people through tests and trials to rank them and expose our true nature to ourselves, good or bad. Allah could have created us in his infinite knowledge and decided who goes to paradise and who goes to hell and what rank we occupy in both. But we would have pleaded to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that's not fair, we haven't been given a chance. So Allah allows life to play out its drama to expose our true reality to ourselves. And in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens by almost uh, reprimanding us that do you think that you're just going to say we believe, amanna, and that's the end of it? No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test us like he tested those before us to make it known the reality of ourselves. Even the companions, the great companions of the Prophet ﷺ, in the battle of Uhud they suffered. And one of the reasons they suffered is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to make it known. مِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الدُّنْيَا وَمِنْكُمْ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الْآخِرَةِ Amongst you are some who desire the life of this world and amongst you are some who desire the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is letting them know they haven't quite reached the pinnacle yet. They haven't quite reached the standard yet. And they need to strive and they need to purify their hearts from the love of the dunya. If it wasn't for tests and trials and difficulties, we wouldn't even know our true nature. Ibn al-Qayyim said that this surah begins with trials and tests. And in the middle, there is a verse about sabr and tawakkul. الَّذِينَ صَبَرُوا وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ Those who are patient and upon their Lord they rely. Because to overcome the trials and tests, you need two things. You need sabr, you need patience and perseverance. And you need tawakkul, you need to have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the very final verse, Ibn al-Qayyim said, is about guidance and victory. So it starts off with tests and trials. In the middle there is sabr and tawakkul. And at the end, there is guidance and victory. And those who strive for us, we will surely guide them to our ways. And indeed, Allah is with the doers of good. One of the great scholars of the past said, whenever um, you seek guidance from a scholar, look for the scholar who is striving hard in our path. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised that those who strive hard in our path, he will surely guide them unto his ways. Surah Ar-Rum Aisha radiallahu anha narrates that the Prophet when he performed the sun eclipse prayer with four ruku' and four sujood and four uh, times of sujood, in the first rakah, he read Surah Al-Ankabut, and in the second rakah, he read Surah Luqman or Surah Ar-Rum. Surah Ar-Rum starts with a prediction or a prophecy. Alif Lam Mim Ghulibati Rum Fi Adna Al-Ardi Wahum Min Ba'di Ghalabihim Sayaghlibun. Alif Lam Mim. The Romans have been defeated in the nearest land, and they, after their defeat, will be victorious. Within three to nine years, the decision on the matter before and after is only with Allah. And on that day, the believers will rejoice. With the help of Allah, he helps whom he wills, and he is the Almighty, the Most Merciful. In this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, describes a major incident, a battle which took place between the two superpowers of the day. The two superpowers of the day 
were the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire. This Roman Empire is not the Western Roman Empire, which was based in Rome, but this is the Eastern Roman Empire, which is known as the Byzantine Empire. Long after the Western Roman Empire declined, the Byzantine Roman Empire remained strong and powerful. Now, this was the first time during the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, or this was the first time where the Byzantines had actually been defeated. The believers were more inclined to support the Byzantine, the, the Byzantine Romans because they were people of the book. And the pagan Arabs were more inclined to support the Persians because they were pagans. So when this uh, defeat actually took place and the verses were revealed, that after this defeat, when the Romans were completely out, finished, defeated, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prophesied that in Bid'a Sinin, in three to nine years, the Romans will again rise and defeat the Persians. This At this time, Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, actually went to one of the pagan leaders and uh, put down a wager against him. This is, of course, before the prohibition of gambling. He put down a wager with him that the Romans will return within three to nine years and defeat the Persians. And of course, this prophecy came true. And after nine years, the Persians then defeated, uh, the Romans defeated the Persians. Now, what's the importance of this incident? Number one, it's a prophecy which shows the truth of the Quran. But it also alludes to the central theme of this surah, which is that all power, true power, belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The power that we see on the surface, superpowers, nations, countries, this type of power is something temporary. It's something which rises and falls. No civilization ever will be uh, invincible forever. It will always rise and then it will always decline, except the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never declines. So you find in this surah compelling natural signs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us around the universe to reflect on the signs of the cosmos in the hereafter and even in our own selves to recognize the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a unique linguistic uh, technique in this surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeats seven times وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ and from his signs. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes so many of the signs which he has placed in the universe as testament to his power and his ability. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the creation of the heavens and the earth, about causing, uh, of bringing the dead back to life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about uh, our own families and our own selves, so many of the natural signs which he has placed in this universe. He created man from dust. He created our spouses. He created the heavens and the earth. He created diversity in language and people's colors. He made the night for sleep and the day for livelihoods. He shows lightning for fear and hope. He sends down rain from the sky. He makes the skies and the uh, earth hold firm. So many of the powerful signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are shown to, to emphasize that true power, lasting power, belongs to him alone. There is also an implicit warning to the Quraysh that look at these civilizations far greater than, than you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes them to decline. And so if you reject the truth, so you will also decline. Hada wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.